Greetings from New York, wherever you are. This is Joanna Croes and the next show for The Woman's Playbook, which is dedicated to informing, connecting, and supporting women entrepreneurs. It's also a guide to the new she economy, which is rising around the globe. There are about a billion women who are going to be coming into the global economy in the next decade by 2020. Many of those will be women entrepreneurs in developing countries. So we see growth engines tilting female, and it behooves us all to take a look at how we can work with them. Again, I'm Joanna Croats. I've been investigating the payoffs, the challenges, and the risks for small business for quite a while with, uh, it within different forums. I've been a columnist online at MSN and an editor at Time, Inc. for a small business magazine. And I've been particularly interested in women's leadership and, women's entrepreneur- and women entrepreneurship. And I've talked to women across the country about their challenges. You'll find uh, – I also have my own business, by the way, which is Amuse to Muse Productions, a, a boutique content provider. So I have to uh, know what's going on on both sides of the fence. I don't just observe. I also do. You'll find updates about the show at my Facebook page, The Women's Playbook with Joanna L. Croats, the Twitter account at Joanna L. Croats, the website, womensplaybook.com. We'll have podcasts and updates about each show every week. Check into that. Also, you can email me if you have any ideas that you'd like us to cover or you have some comments or you want to ventilate, please send me an email, info at womensplaybook.com. And if you want to weigh in as we talk uh, during this hour show or at another, the number is 877-480-4120. I'll repeat that later, and you'll be live and on air. So this week, I'm investigating Going Green and how women can benefit and grow revenue in businesses that focus on eco-friendly products and services. I'll be talking with two guests who know quite a bit about this arena. One, Patricia Boswell here in New York, who has created an all-natural cleaning product called Saphonique, and the other, Sarah Shaw, calling in from Colorado, and she has exceptional skills and experience in getting products from concept to retail shelves. More than a decade ago, no more than that, The triple bottom line, people, profit, and the planet, was considered outlandish, just something that nerds or naifs were really interested in. Expensive environmental products were huddled together in some kind of dusty uh, group at the back of supermarkets or at the bottom shelf of health food stores when people went in looking for tiger milk or tofu. It was not something that most people were interested in, and it was very expensive. That's kind of changing. The zealots are moving away and consumers are moving in. Eco-conscious products and services are now ubiquitous and they're priced well and sought after. They've become just about as trendy as mobile apps. So going green for women entrepreneurs is now also means the color of money, not just the product. And we see it all around us from food to clothes to energy to cleaning supplies, electronics, cars, and more. Today, that old mantra of green is good is changing. Green is now good. And perhaps the most compelling proof is that dollars and serious investments are flowing toward green and energy-efficient growth. One study back in 2010 that was a partnership uh, conducted by Accenture, the consultancy, and the United Nations, the UN, found that 93%, more than 9 out of 10, of CEOs and multinationals were interested in sustainability and in going green. And companies now see that brand-building benefits of developing a reputation for being engaged in and promoting sustainability is going to help them. One consultant I talked to said, sustainability is next-generation business thinking because it attracts value, attracts customers, retains employees, and improves capital and funding. So it's not just big multinationals that are climbing onto the green bandwagon. A 2012 Office Depot tracking poll found that 61%, more than 6 out of 10, of U.S. small businesses were trying to go greener. That was 2012. And 70% anticipated going greener within the next, the coming two years. So that would be about now. This green thing doesn't just mean virtuous about the environment also. It's about addressing values that are surfacing and growing around the globe. Taking personal responsibility for preserving the planet being accountable and active for keeping our loved ones healthy and safe. And no doubt everyone noticed the climate change report that came out just this week with absolutely dramatic findings that we are no longer looking into the future of change, but it is here 
and it is now, and I hope it's not engulfing us because things are flooding. And when you look at climate change through a gender lens, which is my show's interest, you find an even greater degree of both benefit and responsibility for being eco-conscious. Women are particularly attracted to green services and products because they tend to be family-friendly and also they're future-oriented, which are characteristics that tend to apply to women and women entrepreneurs. The Interpress Service News Agency, an international news agency about climate change based in Rome, sees women on the front lines of both the devastation and the creative preventive measures of climate change. And the agency reports, to ru- and this is a quote, to rural women in developing countries, the majority of the world's farmers, global warming means harder work and diminishing returns. Drought, heat, floods, storm, and forced migration disrupt harvest cycles and deny women and their families secure livelihoods. And these women are at the forefront, again, this is quoting, of sustainable farming, water harvesting, forest protection, and the development of new skills and sources of income. Yet women from developing countries still play a minor role in, climate change, in the climate change debate. Why aren't their ideas, initiatives, and experiences shaping national and international policy, asks the agency. So why? Why indeed? To help us understand women's role in battling the effects and, let's not forget, finding profit in the green economy, I've invited Patricia Ebazwell, developer of and founder of Safonique product line, to talk to us today. Based in the Bronx, Patricia creates and markets an all-natural, biodegradable, effective laundry detergent called Saphonique. The detergent's affordably priced, and yet it's made from pure essential oils. It's hypoallergenic, highly effective, ultra-concentrated, as well as non-toxic. It's also eco-friendly because Saphonique does not have any enzymes, phosphates, or residues which not only can damage septic systems, of course, but as we all know, are the kind of chemicals that are clogging our ecosystems. So Patricia began working on this line of sustainable cleaning products back in 2001, she tells me. And she previously worked for Avon Products, where she managed production and product development. We'll hear in a minute why it took her some years to get up and running. But if it was a slow start, she's certainly moving now. Patricia was named a top entrepreneur by the Small Business Wall Street Journal, and her detergent, detergent, Saphonique, is now available in more than 600 locations, including Walmart, ShopRite, the Jewel line in, uh, supermarket line in, in Chicago in the Midwest, and other national retailers. She's also got her product online at Amazon. And her inv- innovation was recognized by an invitation from Walmart to serve on the company's sustainable value network team. No small feat. For more, more details about her background and her products, you can visit her website, which is Safonique, S-A-F-O-N-I-Q-U-E dot com. So welcome, Patricia. Thank you. All the way down from the Bronx. Yes. Yes. First, tell us a bit about um, that 15-year stretch. That, what was going on during those startup years? Um, well, what went on was that I actually... From my background in manufacturing, which I really, when I graduated from college, really was interested in the beginning to the end for the consumer. And as I um, went around the country because of my husband's career, it allowed me to really evaluate my skills and what else I could do besides working for a corporation. And I just, from Walking around the supermarket, I just saw so many opportunities that needed to be changed, and one of them was in the household cleaning product industry. And I decided that at that time, my son was about four, uh, that I could actually do this as he was, my husband was moving me, moving me around from different uh, universities. As tell, a coach. tell us why you were moving around so much. My husband was the, um, had been a head coach, assistant coach in college basketball. And if anyone knows um, from 1985 to now, that has definitely has grown that industry. And he's had an opportunity over 30 years to work as a college basketball coach, men's college basketball coach. But at the same time, it also allowed me 
to travel around the country and understand the needs of about the environment, different communities, different economic communities, women. It really gave me the opportunity to really evaluate everything. Um, it also, being around coaches, allowed me to really zoom, zone, zone in on how coaches think and how, you know, a loss doesn't mean a loss. It just gives you more inspiration for the next win. But tell us why you focused on bio, biodegradable. I mean, you don't have a chemistry degree or anything like that, do you? No, I don't. And that was, the, uh, you know, working at Avon for 10 years in manufacturing, I had an opportunity to work with engineers, chemists. And so I knew that working with um, a chemist wouldn't be difficult to make the changes I wanted to make. I also was, because of my background, uh, not being a chemist, but working in the, working with processes, Two, that I could make a better product without, um, that could be very cost effective and still be out there for the consumer. Like, why do you have to have, in my mind, bad ingredients when the good ingredients are there and you can actually make the product effectively and cost effectively? But, of course, I was ahead of my time in a lot of ways. Yeah, you, you've mentioned that you started doing this and the retailers got back to you with looks of puzzlement and in right. disinterest. And right. We're, 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 um, we're going to focus on some of that just coming up. But I, 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 why were you so interested in the environmentalism? Was that something going on in your household at the time? Well, in, the interesting thing when I started, the word sustainability was not around. No, it's, that's, <laughs> that's a new coinage. Yes, it's sustainability. Green wasn't around. around. Um, and working at Avon, we were, and I was, always cost conscious about doing things better. Operationally, um, looking at things to, um, to recycle, to reuse. So even though the word sustainability wasn't around, it, the mindset for me was there. Right, and and then you went into the laboratory, and then or your kitchen sink, and yes, I went into my kitchen sink, my laundry room, and you know started putting my mind together and my resources and uh, my research, and so it was easy. It was easy for me to figure it out because of my original background and also having a health background. Mm-hmm. I knew things could be done better, and you know I still stay within the health field now. Right, I understand that. So um, we're about to uh, take our first break, and when we come back, we'll find out how you got into Walmart. Thank you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you need a business plan that can guide your company's growth? Covenant 7 will help bring the changes you need. We are small business consultants and we pay attention to the details you may miss. Our coaching and consultant services are guaranteed to lead to right growth for your business. Call us at 917-833-4860 for a no-obligation free consultation. Check out our website at www.covenant7.com. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.
back on the Women's Playbook. This is Joanna Croats. We're talking to Patricia Boswell, who's created a biodegradable, all-essential oil cleaning detergent called Saphonique. And shortly, we'll be talking to Sarah Shaw, who's calling in way away from here in Durango, who's done a lot of work out in Hollywood as well. So, Patricia, here's your moment. How is it you went from kitchen sink to Walmart? I know it wasn't in 60 seconds, but it must have taken quite a bit of perseverance and creativity. It did. And one of the things that I have to say is before I approached Walmart, I did extensive research on Sam Walton. And I did extensive research on the consumer in 1998, um, watching the consumer go into this Walmart. Go At the time, let me just step back. I was at uh, living in Western Kentucky because my husband was coaching at Western Kentucky University. And I had a, a newborn, a year old. I guess she was about a year old. And my son was about eight. And so I was at Walmart a lot. But at the same time, I w- watched the consumer and how they went in, the time. The, I did extensive manual research. And so when I went to them, I had read everything about Sam Walton. And so when I did approach the store manager, I understood everything. Having their operations background, too, I understood the flow of the consumer in that store. So when I approached the the, um, store manager, um, he couldn't say no because I really had all the answers. And he was very receptive to me and I put my bucket of powdered detergent which was in a recyclable reusable container and the interesting part about that container and that's why you have to watch I I didn't want to put it in a box and I didn't want to put it in a plastic container I wanted to to be as we use the word sustainable and I was cleaning up my um, daughter and son's room And it hit me when I was putting away Mr. Potato Head that this was the container that I wanted. And I contacted that company and they helped me with, um, you know, creating the right size container and then using my um, manufacturer and using a graphics person in at the time when I started it that I was in West Virginia and she came out of Pittsburgh. You ne- she did. You never know where inspiration is going to hit. So right. you and I have also talked about this triple threat that um, you were facing in terms of clearing the hurdles. And one was being female. Yes. One was being African-American. Yes. And one was being biodegradable before anyone had that word sustainable. So you, you really set yourself up, didn't you? Yes. And the other thing was it was also at the time of the dot-com. So people were like more interested in investing in the dot-com than um, sustainable products. And how did you, did you just say, just ignore it and, and the research pulled you through? Or did Yes, I had good research to, to tell me that I should stay on this track mm-hmm. and that um, eventually, you know, my vision would become a true vision. Can you share at all some financing information for us in terms of funding and backing and how that worked for you? Um, well, you know, I, I did a lot of the investing in the beginning from my work salary and my research. And then after I put a really extensive business plan together, I went the true family and friends. And then from that, um, and having the results that I had from, um, fundraising and a local, um, retail store, I, I was able to go after a licensing agreement. And from that, the licensing agreement went to a partnership because the company um, decided that they were going to uh, dissolve their licensing company. And it became a partnership with that company. And uh, it gave opportunity for me to go to trade shows and really put myself out there and figure it out more on a big level. And then from there... Um, when I went into the one store Walmart and I had an opportunity, I saw to go to the main office at that time, then the industry was changing from powder 
you could see it was going to eventually go that way. Mm-hmm. And so I really went to to the development of doing a liquid and making it effective liquid. So you've been able to anticipate where the market's going, which is so critical for yes. actually getting... Yes, I do have a good eye for that. Right. So what have been, if you, if if I may, what has been your biggest mistake in developing this product? Because it's daunting to come up with a whole new, especially as early as you were doing it, it's daunting to come up with a product like that. I mean, services you can hone, you can take skills, but you have to find that, fin- you, that, that product goes on your shelf. You have to put it in front of retailers. You're done. You know, you can't improve it except incrementally um. right right well it was a lot of um my background in manufacturing and it was also um at the time having a really good chemist and understanding what i was looking for when i went especially when i went to liquid when i went to liquid i really found a really good chemist so was it a mistake to start with powder was that no because at the time that's what was out there powder Mm -hmm. and so when i saw that um you know, the tr- it was traditionally changing. That's when I started my, you know, I was still selling the powder, but I started the f- the formula for uh, the liquid. And that really took a while. That didn't happen overnight. How much does it cost to buy uh, a bucket of Saphonique? At the time, it was about, in Walmart, about six fifty, six seventy five. And now? Well, now I have the 2X concentrated, and that's six ninety seven. In Walmart. Uh-huh. And that's like 50 ounces. I mean, this isn't like a, the size no, of a dishwasher. No. Yeah, no, it's big. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 50 ounces. Uh, depending on, you know, everybody washes different. Everybody has a different machine. So uh, people sort their clothes out differently. And people are emotional about the way they wash. So. Yes, they are. <laughs> so I would say, you know, it's, it's designed for 50 loads, but you might get less. Uh, because of you're using heavy towels. The other thing about the product is that when I wanted to make it, I wanted to make it so that it could be used for for everyone from infancy throughout adulthood, right. and that it was hypoallergenic, and I've stuck to that, mm-hmm. and to, for it to be very effective. And I won an award in 2004 I was because about to, to yeah, ask you about that. Tell us because I did not want to put a fragrance in. I wanted to really keep it as natural as possible. And using the oils of essential oils and not breaking it down to a fragrance or a cologne allows a lot of people who can't have a scent to use the product. Yeah, it was very innovative. Right. So what's next? Um, What's next is to continue to uh, make it a national and international product and I'm also working with um, a major company now with um, better pack- packaging to put a cleaner. And uh-huh. So it's not just designing the cleaner, but it's also bringing a cleaner with a sustainable packaging. Right. It's interesting that you tell me it took a while to find the right um, promotion and publicist because you were with someone who wasn't. We have someone coming up who believes in that wholeheartedly, and Sarah will probably weigh in about that, but we'll see in a second. Um, but, but it seems as if that promotion, you had the product way before you had the level of promotion that you really... And, right. And I did have a, um, a public relations firm that did a good job at that time, and then... When I took over my company as a sole investor in 2009 and went to the pouch. Is that when the licensing agreement ran out? Is that what happened? Yeah, well, the partnership it was dissolved, and it, then I went solo. And, um, and at the same time I was going solo, I was changing my packaging. And one of the things about it was that this particular packaging wasn't really being used for detergent. It was being used for more personal and food. I'm not sure I understand. So it was, um, it was. The pouch was really being used for powders, uh, food, but not for household products, just a liquid. Um, It was being, a pouch was being used as a refill for um, hand wash. So putting a detergent in and then not having a lot of flexibility with um, local manufacturers i ran into quite a bit and that's when you you know if you're a true entrepreneur the trials and tribulations do not bother you you just keep it moving 
you know how to stick to your guns, and you're a good negotiator. Right. I understand that. So the next thing is just to get into more and better stores. Are you thinking about expanding the line as well? Yes. And what, what, what's in the back of the... What's in the back of the kitchen sink? Well, having, you know, um, like I said, uh, putting, having the product already, but putting it in a real sustainable uh, packaging, a pouch for the um, household general cleaner and um, a softener, wipes. And the one thing about this product, too, um, if you can't afford a softener, you don't need really a softener. Right. That's the one thing that I um, I really tried to really think about what would work for the consumer who who's not on the high high end, but but was the masses. And as every woman knows, when you're trying to raise a family, whether you're a single mom or uh, a husband and wife, it's not easy. And where did that name come from, Stephanie? How did that evolve? Um, my graphic designer for my um, powder. She came up with it. We both came up with it. I asked her because I like the um, influence of European names. Mm-hmm. And so when we came up with words, the bottom line was soap. But we cha- I changed the V because uh-huh. I th- just didn't think it was so creative, the letter V. And the letter F, when you looked at it in the alphabets, you could do a lot more. And so that's how it has no meaning. You mean graphically? You could, graphically, yeah, you with could the play logo. with the logo. I could do a lot more with it. Mm-hmm. And then another thing is, I tested it out with consumers in Florida. At the time, I was living in Tallahassee because my husband was the head basketball coach at Florida A and M. And I stood out in front of um, at the time, it was called Kinkos. Uh huh. And uh, I stood out there in front of Kinkos for several hours, asking people, did they ever hear of that name? And nobody could figure it out, so I went with it. Right. Well, good for you. And it's, and you're happy with it. It's working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So You know. And are you an S-Corp or an LLC? How are you structured? I'm an LLC. LLC. So everything's passed through. Yes. Well, we have coming up, and we'll see. Maybe um, Patricia's going to have some uh, questions for her as well. But um, what we have coming up is uh, Sarah Shaw, who's going to be um, maybe speaking to what's going on with Patricia. And um, we'll see if we can expand on the things that Patricia's been doing as well as find some other kinds of advice for taking your product from the idea into the reality. We'll be back in a minute. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, Hour. at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Do you need a business plan that can guide your company's growth? Covenant 7 will help bring the changes you need. We are small business consultants and we pay attention to the details you may miss. Our coaching and consulting services are guaranteed to lead to right growth for your business. Call us at 917-833-4860 for a no-obligation free consultation. Check out our website at www.covenant7.com. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com.
to the welcome back to the Women's Playbook. Uh, we're talking about going green with a couple of people, one in New York, Patricia Boswell, and the other about to tell you how what she thinks about what's going on. Sarah Shaw calling in from Durango, Colorado. Hi, Sarah. Hi there. Let me uh, tell everyone a bit about what you do. Sarah is CEO of Entrepreneur, a coaching service for women entrepreneurs that helps them through the process of taking their product from concept to reality. A serial entrepreneur, Sarah used to live out in L.A. working on TV and film costume and also worked as a celebrity designer. She has the kind of know-how that comes from starting, running, and then, as she'll tell you, losing a million-dollar business and starting again. In 1998, she developed the Sarah Shaw line of handbags that attracted celebrity buyers like Jennifer Aniston, Cameron Diaz, Katie Holmes, and Gwyneth Paltrow, among others. It was sold in over 1,200 boutiques and department stores nationwide. And that led her to form a, another handbag that she, to create and design another handbag that she patented called Handy Hold All. And she launched an e-commerce website to sell and promote her handbags and the homestyle line of products that she also developed, sold online. So um, for, for more about distribution and details... And packaging and marketing, um, Sarah is going to tell us how she has kept her hand in. She has a made-to-order costume company called Rags to Order, which manufactures costumes for several of film sequels, including Matrix, Ocean's Eleven, and Star Trek. And she still owns and operates, I told you it was serial, Rack and Roll Rentals, a wardrobe trailer rental company. Her experiences in both production and entertainment have resulted in these high-level skills in packaging and marketing and, as I said, distribution. For more details, visit Sarah Shaw's website at entrepreneur, E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-T-T-E P-R-E-N-E-T-T-E dot com. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad you're here. So you migrated from Hollywood. Tell us about how that happened. My migration to Colorado? Yeah. I mean, what made you um, move from what you were doing in L.A. And, and move out to Colorado and change your, I would assume it changed everything, your lifestyle, your career, your, you know. Um, yeah. In my mind, Colorado and L.A. are like two different universes. But They then are very, very different universes in a good way. I, I spent um, my most of my adult life in Los Angeles, you know, as you mentioned, starting my career working in the film business. And then as I grew into an entrepreneur uh, after launching my handbag business in 1990, early 98, um, I, and then I migrated into my second business and then now into my consulting business at Entrepreneur. I really didn't have, I realized that all I need is a phone and a computer and a good time zone. <laughs> so living on the moon, I realized was not going to be an option. And so it didn't really matter where I lived. And my family, um, I, both my brothers live out here in Colorado and we all have small children under six. So it seemed like an ideal place to raise my children and, um, you know, show them a really different lifestyle than growing up in Los Angeles. Right. I know you've been out there for a bit and you've been listening in on, uh, on my uh, conversation with Patricia. Can you tell us a little about some of the mistakes you've made? Because as you've told me um, before, you are all, um, you're all honest about those. You're, you don't mind saying what happened and I appreciate your candor. Yeah, um, sure. Is there anything specific, or you want me just to? Well, I, I my... guess I guess what I'm asking is, how does it weigh in? How does it inform um, someone who's trying to start up, or someone who's trying to move from the idea to reality? What is it that will help women who are trying to do what you've done three or four times? Mm. Okay. So the, when I first started my handbag company. I didn't know anything about costing or pricing products. I mean, I came from the, the, the movie world where, you know, money was no object. And as long as you stayed within your budget of the money they gave you, everything was fine. And here I was for the first time playing with my own money. And, um, and, it's, a, and it's a big reality. It was a big reality check for me. When makes I a big difference. To use my it's own a real money. big difference when it's your money, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Um, and so the the biggest mistake for me was not understanding costing. And so what ended up happening is I was underpricing all of my products 
and not making the profit margin that I should have. And so that really led to sort of the immediate um, downfall of my of my first effort with my handbag company. Right, Patricia is nodding knowingly, oh. and apparently that was something that happened in her life as well. What does that mean, underpriced? Because you didn't figure out your cost versus what you needed for every monthly nut for your for what your expenses. What does underpriced mean? You just didn't think know the percentage of the of the margin that you needed. Is that what it comes down to? Kind of embarrassingly, embarrassingly, all of it. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I did know what my monthly overhead was, and because of the job I had in the movie business, I, I was very financially savvy. So that that part I could figure out. But what I didn't understand about manufacturing, in in particular, is that all the different costs that go into the raw material, I didn't understand. So, so there can be hidden costs in building a product. So, for example, with my handbags, I made them in Los Angeles. I used local manufacturers, but I brought in a lot of parts to the bags from New York. So, like the little gold feet that go on the bottom or the, or the magnetic snaps and things like that. And I would say, oh, the snap was $0.65. Cents. But what I didn't take into consideration was the cost of the freight to get it to me from right. New York. I, I can see how that would happen. It's all these ancillary costs that, exactly. that creep up on you. And uh, Patricia wanted to speak to that for, for a second as well, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that was one of the things that I was very aware of. And having a manufacturing background, the, when I looked for partners and even the partner I have now, I always say I need a money man or a money person. Because that a money girl is what you want to say, a money girl or whoever who understands those finances. Because if you're creating and marketing and selling, those ingredients or those parts can change. The pricing can change daily, and you need to have someone who can say, "Hey, we can't do this, or we can do this, or we need to do this differently." And that is one of the things that I've always had in place with all my partners, that because that is not really my forte, right? But I know it has to be there, and so the people that I've always partnered with, I can say to them, I know they know understand numbers. I might not be able to do the numbers regularly, but I always tell people I can read those reports, and I know when they're off and on. So, Sarah, is that in the clients you have as well? Clearly, you've come out the other side of that in a, in a whole and robust way. Is that something you see going on with the clients who come to you, that they they don't understand the pricing? I mean, I know lots of women that I've talked to who run businesses tend to say, you know, if I if I sell a lot, I just <laughs> I just have to get enough volume. And they don't understand that each unit, the volume won't work unless you really have the price point right. Um, yes, I do find that with my clients, usually if they have a product already created and just come to me for sales and marketing consulting, that 99.9% of them have mispriced their products. And one of the things that, um, that also falls into that is besides knowing your real cost of goods sold on the product, is also knowing what kind of um, margins to use for going from cost wholesale and then wholesale to retail and a lot of people tend to just double their prices from cost to wholesale and really if you're in because I mostly work with people in fashion and lifestyle and baby products and so they're mostly sold in boutiques and then also some of them choose to go the you know babies R us or you know big department stores or even big box um, like Patricia but at the same time there's different margins of markup. So not having those things like taking into account, you know, overhead and sales reps commissions and distributors and all these things that you might be doing, maybe not today, but in the future, you want to be sure that you price your product accordingly so that you have room for growth and that the profit margin is built into the original price. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough. And I don't think you can do it right off the bat because it just depends on the consumer market and it depends on how 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 you scale your businesses what one of the other things that i know you talk a good deal about has to do with mentoring which um you think is critical i guess 
essential for women entrepreneurs. What do you mean by that? Because it has a lot of different... a lot of different meanings. And then also I just want to uh, billboard that in a few minutes we have someone calling in with a question, so I'm going to take that question in a minute. But tell me about mentoring. So, you know, for me, when I started my handbag company, there was no one to turn to. And so it, and there really was no Internet, you know, for in the bigger sense of the world back, word back then. So I was really on my own and on my own island. And I know that if I had had someone to even guide me in just a couple areas, like especially with the costing and the pricing, that my business would have even, I probably would have survived past five years and gone way past the million dollar mark. And and what I think a mentor can do and what I try to do when I do consulting, and I think of myself more as sort of a paid mentor in a sense, because to me, mentor is somebody who shows you how to do things in your business. And so that you can be as um, savvy as possible about how all the different aspects of your business work so that you, even if you choose to delegate it, you still understand, you know, like if you go to PR, for example, and you want to hire a publicist, if you don't know the first thing about PR, you're not going to know if they're doing a good job or you're not going to be able to help in any of the decisions about the, you know, action plan that they're going to take. And you're really just going to be 100% relying on their expertise. And I find that I, what I found when I did that in my business, because I did it often, is that I just ended up, you know, getting the short end of the stick because I didn't know how to participate in that area of my business. And I think that that was really detrimental to the future growth of my company. Sure. I can understand that. If you'll just stand by, uh, we have a break coming up. But before I do that, I'd like to just take a caller who has asked us for a question. Leslie, you're on the Women's Playbook. Hey, Joanna, you know me, Leslie, as in singer. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I didn't know who it was. There were like (laughs) a possible couple of Leslies. And how are you doing? I'm doing really well, and I'm enjoying the show because uh, this is right up my alley, as you know. Uh, being an entrepreneur and, and having as many, well, probably more losses than fails. And I'm curious about, um, from the accessory side, you know, I had an accessories business and I had 65 boutiques around the country that loved my stuff, um, but ultimately I needed volume and I couldn't get the volume. And I also found that in the fashion business, as much as the boutiques loved me and the showrooms loved me, it was really hard to get John Q. Public to get sort of the green light. I mean, if you're if you're a coach or you're a name brand, it kind of gives people the okay that you can wear their stuff and you won't be laughed at or you'll fit in or whatever. And so I was wondering, um, I would I would suppose that the accessories business that you started with your bags, your caller is talking about the bags. And Sarah, things, yeah. It was helpful because you got the celebrity endorsement, and that's kind of what I was missing the whole time, although I tried. But if you weren't in that world, I found it was really, really difficult. Is it, 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 Did she find that same? I just was wondering if that was the same kind of thing, even though she had the um, endorsements of the celebrities. Was it sustainable business in the big picture? Right. Leslie, stand by. We're going to take a break. And then, Sarah, perhaps you can weigh in about that. Let's just take a break first. Thank you, Leslie. We'll be back. Thank you. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. 
Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Leslie, you still there? I am. I'm delighted. Sarah, did you um, manage to hear uh, Leslie's question? Are you on board with the question? Sure. Um, I, I don't know if I'm exactly clear what the question was. She, was Leslie, the question? I can interpret a little, and Leslie, you'll correct me if I go astray, but Leslie sure. was saying that she had a very good design product, and she was in the accessory. Um, it was a scarf, wasn't it, Leslie, you were doing? It was scarves yeah. and, and other things, and you know, I was in bundles. Yeah, and, I remember you know. that. Yeah. And she and so she had trouble getting the public. She said John Q, but I'm going to correct it to Jane Q public, and getting that product um, really out there, and that the celebrity endorsement, if you will, or you know that that Instagram picture of Jennifer Aniston wearing that product is everything. And that's where she 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 had very good uh, response, but she couldn't scale up. And she's wondering how you get to that next level. Is that fair, Leslie? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, I think it's really mostly in how you promote the fact that the celebrity has your product. And I think it, you sort of have to go with the no no fear, in the no fear zone and no holding back. Yeah, but I'm wondering, how do, you get, how, do you get, how do you get the celebrity to wear it in the first place? Yeah. Okay, so that's the question. Okay, so well, <laughs> Sorry. it's very simple, actually, to contact celebrities. Most people think it's really difficult. I've got clients, like, on little tiny islands off of Massachusetts getting stuff to celebrities in Los Angeles and having a big success with that. So it, there's a website called contactanycelebrity.com, and you can get any famous person's information there. And it's got a very a small a monthly fee or you can do like it's not you don't have to sign up for a year it's it's monthly subscription and and it's really just a question of contacting their manager or publicist and having a real really good reason why your product would be right for that person i you know let's just take your scarves for example you know if you are are selling scarves and you say, oh, you know, so-and-so celebrity, I'm going to contact her. She's perfect for my target market and she wears scarves all the time. So by, you know, if you know that they wear scarves and then so sending them one of your scarves wouldn't be very far-fetched. So in reaching out to their um, handlers, so to speak, saying, you know, I see that so-and-so wears scarves all the time and we, you know, make these scarves that, you know, are blah, 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 and I'd really like to send one to her. Um, would you be able to help me pick out the right color or, you know, is there a favorite color I should send along and, um, you know, and sort of figure out a way to engage with them that relates to the celebrity? And they're actually, they, that actually works. They actually do, they actually do wear that scarf after that. Yeah, and, and I and I think that where the daredevil part comes in on the designer's side and, and where um, how I used it to my benefit because, you know, when I had my handbag company and I was getting stuff to all these big celebrities, there was no social media or anything. So there was no way for me to quickly put it out there for 80 trillion people to see or anything. Right. So it, it was it's really putting it on the homepage of your website and being and being sure and certain that you're not insinuating that this person is endorsing your brand in any way unless you're actually paying them to do that. But by saying, you know, oh, Jennifer Aniston's a fan of our scarves, you know, then you're just saying she likes them because you know she has one. Right. Regardless of whether you actually have a photo of her wearing it. That's where some people sort of toe the line with, well, I don't have a picture. I don't really feel comfortable in showing it or saying anything to people. But they might only wear it in the privacy of their home. Or if you have something like with my handy hold all, it's a closet organizer. 
And I got them to Jennifer Aniston when she was married to Brad Pitt. Well, she's not going to go out parading in the street in it. No, I understand. Her well, closet. I understand. Thanks. Leslie, does that help? Yeah, it helps. I think I think there's an element of luck. I mean, I did get, you know, I did get them to some celebrities, and I know that um, one in particular walked down the street with her two daughters with my scarves, but there was no photographer there. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> I think, what I think. Sometimes it is an element of luck, right. and I don't think I was as ballsy as I could have been. You know, right. I'm a little bit. I'm more of the. Uh, just the designer type that kind of wanted to sit in the back. I wasn't. I didn't really have the audacity that I needed. I think, and right. I wasn't as aggressive as I could have been. Um, but well, all good to know. All thank, good to know. Thanks for calling I, and in. I was also um, uh, thinking about um, the sustainable products. Um, it seems to be such an uphill battle. Um, the way things are still going with people not, you know, supporting laws that are going to keep toxicity down from corporate America and. You know, the, the, we're the only uh, com- country in the world that still isn't, you know, labeling our food. Um, how is that going? Do you think that that's going to eventually scale up as well, especially on the cleaning products? And is is the other caller really bad with names? So forgive me, Patricia. Um, how is that going to? How is the money working on that part in terms of? keeping it going and having that same problem of needing volume. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to get better because it has to. In other words, it's an imperative, but Patricia probably has a more specific answer. Well, I can answer for myself. I think for me, it's not going to be a problem because that's how I started. And I started when there was no certifications, there was no um, accountability, but for me... It was my own accountability. So I don't feel for myself that it's going to be any kind of issues in my transparency because I feel like I've always been transparent and I've always wanted to give a good product out there. I think the more success people have with a product, the more and the more personal responsibility that we take, I think the better off it is. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about what you see as characteristics of women entrepreneurs? Are they moving into the green area more than men are in your estimation? Although I know it's more fashion that that you that you look at, but have you seen any trend in that regard? Um, I I have um, several clients that are actually moving into the um, sort of in the green arena in organic uh, makeup and body care. Um, more so than ever before. Right. And also a lot of um, designers that are using eco-sustainable fabric and printing. Yeah. And you have to be careful. I know Bono started a line of eco-conscious clothing that was going to help people in Africa about four years ago. And the clothes were so ugly that nobody bought them. <laughs> so you really have to be careful. And the makeup, you think, is, is that uh, profitable? Are they doing well? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely profitable. I mean, uh, cosmetic lines, if it's done correctly, are highly profitable. Um, some people, you know, do three to ten times margins on cost wow. wholesale. So it can be a highly profitable business. Oh, and all of them are made here in the U.S. Uh-huh. Okay. And, that, and that's cost effective. Uh, you would think it would be probably cheaper to do it elsewhere, but, it, but, but that works for them. It does work for them, and also I think um, there's a sort of a bit of a cachet these days about made in America, uh-huh. and um, and that also being able to control the organic products. Whereas I think making things overseas, you have a little bit less control on like liquid organic products and you know essential oils and things like that that go into skincare and makeup. Are you, Sarah, also seeing women, your clients, and women who come to you for coaching going into areas that you did not think they would, just even beyond the environmental, that they're moving into areas that are unusual for women? Mm, Not really. I mean, I think women in general gravitate towards things that they need. You know, like even Patricia, it sounds to me, listening to her story, that she created this out of personal need as much as knowing that other people like her needed it. And I I think in general, women tend to want things that are going to make their life better. And that's, I think, why one of the reasons that women are such great inventors is that they really are the biggest consumers of products worldwide and that they really look at and take things apart in their mind and, you know, 
I mean, down to the simplest things like, oh, I love these jeans and yeah, you know, everybody and their mother is buying them and they're $300. But, you know, if you just tweaked this slightly, it'd be even better, you know, and looking at how to reinvent things that are already working in the marketplace to make them even more particularly honed in on what's good for women. Yeah, I think circling back to Leslie's point about how we're going to bring this to scale and how environmental and eco-conscious is going to be able to spread out and be more universal, it will be, you know, incremental for a while, and then I I foresee some big, just geometric jump, because that's the way trends happen. That's what things tend to change that way. We're going to take one more break, and then... um, and then we're done for the day. So um, is there anything at the uh, end of this uh, program that occurs to you, Sarah, about going green? Um, I think I think that... You have you only... Know, you have only I, I'm, I, I, you, you have very little time. <laughs> okay, one second. So I think the biggest thing in keeping in, to keep in mind when going green is looking at all of the different regulations that are out there and making sure that you can clear the hurdles before you invest too much time and energy into a product. Thanks so much. Thanks for calling in, Leslie. Thanks for calling in. Patricia, thank Thank you you. for coming downtown. Um, We're very excited. Next week, we're going to be talking about social entrepreneurship at the Women's Playbook. Womensplaybook.com, and uh, we'll talk to you then. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Lebowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.TalkingAlternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. TalkingAlternative.com. 